I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood, podcast episode number 626. I tried to watch it. I failed. This is Electric Sisterhood, home of the original. The fucking original. Girl Gaming to Gadget and Anime Podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm getting getting ready to go to Summit. I'm super excited about it. Yay. Yeah. For anybody that is a new listener to our show or, or hasn't been living La Vida Esh for a long period of time, I am an Xbox MVP. I have been for the last three years. And it basically is just a recognition by Microsoft, Xbox specifically, for the com- contributions that I've made to the community. You know, whether it's speaking at panels, doing a lot of talks and and things about diversity and inclusivity, running the longest-running African-American female-hosted podcast in the U.S. Because I checked the stats. It's us. Yeah, well... <laughs> no one, no one, no one's given us that recognition. I know, but it's truth, and it will, it will take it. And as long as I know my truth, it doesn't matter if you accept it or recognize it. It helps, though. Yeah, right? That's what I've gotten the recognition for, and and ultimately what it means is it's just a really nice way of saying, hey, you is kind, you is smart, you is beautiful, you is doing wonderful things in the community, keep doing them, Uh, which I have. And so uh, once a year we get to go to the Xbox campus on uh, Microsoft's campus in Redmond, Washington, and spend a week with various MVPs from across the country. So this year we have people coming from Spain, Canada, South Africa, Korea, England, Mexico, and through various states of the U.S. coming together to spend a week together and just kind of rejoice in the things that we do within the community and you know share what's going on in our necks of the woods with the Xbox team. So it's really a fun week, uh, and that's all I can talk about, about the week. And we get to do some fun stuff together at, at the end of the night, you know, play games with each other, because we're all gamers, and that's really, like, how we roll, what we do, who we be, all that kind of good stuff. But for me, the MVP Summit is a week where I just get to get together with all of these friends that I have from across the globe who are as passionate and enjoy the same thing that I enjoy, even though they enjoy it differently. You know, a bunch of my MVP fam, you know, they're Battle Royale 
you know, freaks, and they're also fantastic at it, so I understand why. But, you know, there are puzzle games and D&D people within the group and, you know, people from different walks in the spectrum. And I'm just really excited because the program's been expanding this year and there are actually more women attending Summit this year than in the past three years that I have attended Summit. Um, So it's just, it's really nice and indicative to see the community grow, to see how the parallels between what's happening within the MVP group and what's happening in the gaming community as a whole, just leaning more towards inclusivity and diversity and championing the things that, you know, make us unique and also keep us aligned with the same stuff. And so it's a a good week for me because I refresh, you know, I I get to do a bunch of fun stuff, play a bunch of games with the people that I enjoy, eat some great food, check out different parts of Seattle that, you know, I've never checked out before and then come home completely stoked and, and rejuvenated. And then right around the corner from that is PAX East. You know, so it's a, it's a good, good week. But uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about on this podcast. There are so many games. I can't even keep up with them anymore. Like, it's ridiculous. February and March of 2019 have been just stupid ridiculous. I completely forgot that Devil May Cry 5 comes out <laughs> this week. Yep. Like, by the time you hear this podcast, we'll be four days away from Devil May Cry dropping. Like, how did I forget that? Um, a lot of shit's been going on lately, though, so... I mean, yeah, but, like, we love Dante's. I mean, yes. But, you know... And life, Trish! I mean, but life life has just been hard and I mean I've been riding the KH3 hate train so I'm yeah you have you've been I mean you have straight like you got a cabin on that bitch it's right next to the meal cart oh my god with everybody (laughs) you just you just (sighs) mad are you still mad about Kingdom Hearts 3 I'm you still still mad mad. bro I'm still all right, mad is not the word I would use now. Like are you, it's now, so it's are like you, it's like a lukewarm dislike. So like like it's a hate. It's a hate that came out piping hot, and I was like, no, I can't eat this. And then it got so you like, put that it on the windowsill to cool, and now it's too cold. So then I put it in the microwave for like three minutes, and now it's like not bueno no more <laughs> because <laughs> you nuked all the flavor out of it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, anytime for the last few days, I'd hear random people bringing up KH3 and, like, my ear would, like, peek up. And I'd be like, oh, are they gonna be a, are they gonna be a sympathizer or are they gonna share the same unbridled rage that I once had? And it's really been kind of hit or miss either way. And I've had some drag-out fights lately with mm. people who think it's okay. And I said, no, it is not okay. But what I they mean, have done. It's okay. No, sis. It's just not sis. great, sis. So Kingdom Hearts, right? It was supposed to be like the epic collab of Square Enix characters and Disney characters, right? That was the pitch, right? That that's what Kingdom right, right. Hearts 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 was. Yes. Okay. Okay. So and and in Kingdom Hearts one, they held to that promise. Yep. Kingdom Hearts two got a little less, but we had like one or two. What do you mean? Because, like, Kingdom Hearts 2 had more of, like, Organization 13 and shit in it. Yeah, more but than... you still were going to Disney, 
lands and costumes and keyblades based in but in did Disney we get realms. any square enix though i mean didn't you have did, a couple did, of summons didn't you have a um i'm just i'm just and now we've got three right and how many are in three uh final fantasy yeah. references yeah I how mean, many yeah how many I mean, I I stopped playing a game because I had to play no, Crackdown no, 3. No, 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 no. I can't speak to what I don't know is okay, what I'm well, saying. Okay, well, guess what? So, like, I, I have advanced in the game, hey, so... Hey, Ninja, ask me. Ask me how many. I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I hear ask it in me. your voice. Ask me. <laughs> how many? Oh. Zero. <laughs> None. Zip. Zero zilch goose egg and O with a line through it. None. <laughs> Nunca. Net. So nada. Nada. None. None. But. But. No. No. Well, no. Wait, 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 wait. Here's what I'm going to say. You know, maybe there was like some 15, you know, Final Fantasy 15 stuff planned. Bullshit. And then like. You know, people weren't really feeling the 15 like that, and so maybe they decided not to do it. No. <laughs> no. Wait. No. Like, no. I mean, because then, you know what you do? <clears throat> you brush off your old polygons, and you put some fan favorites. Well, I mean, let's be just, real. Let's even be if they're real. just walking through Traverse You town. already fucking killed Sephiroth. Is there really anybody else that from Final Fantasy you're going to bring back? You, you can't bring back Aerith, because we all know... Spoiler alert. I mean, we could, that but, like, dead. that'd be kind of mean. That's rude. Uh, so but, she's gone. Okay. You don't so, want Yuna and everybody from Dress Up Party version. Well, no, because then you get you get them from 10. <laughs> like, you but that wasn't you their last game, so you'd have to I, get them hey, from their hey, last hey, game. Hey, hey, shh, I know. I just saying, not to mention, okay, yeah, so 15, like, yeah, they could have brought, but you know what? They could have brought somebody from, they could have brought... Vanille from Final Fantasy Thirteen. They could have brought her. She was. I peppy. mean, she was. She was the only character she, I think anybody liked. Her, her and 13. Fang. Her and Fang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that could have happened. Okay. That would have been Bueno, right? Well, you and know who? What? Okay. And who would that have appealed to? I mean. Because you got to remember, we're talking mass appeal here, okay? Remember Bro, how long, it, like, this I'm game sorry, has been I'm sorry, it doesn't stewing. matter. If someone says, hey, Panda, I'm going to give you the best ham and cheese sandwich, and it's always going to have the best ham and cheese, yeah. and the first game had the ham and cheese, and mm-hmm. it had a good bun, it was good, and then the second one, okay, there was a little less cheese... And, a, and the ham was like I'm a little I'm going to say, I don't ham. think it was less cheese. I think it was different cheese. I think it no. was a rounded cheese, like a provolone and yeah, not a square. So, cheese. like, you were like, that I got less cheese. That is the one cheese, cheese I But it was hate. actually denser cheese. I hate cheese. provolone cheese. I hate it. I hate it. it like, is, you hate Kingdom Hearts 3. We yeah. get it. I'm just saying. But it went from, like, this super thick with three C's ham and cheese <laughs> to, like, this Wonder Bread two-slice no Yo, mayo. don't shit on Wonder to Bread. Now, to now one piece of bread cut in half <laughs> with, like, 
Velveeta Look, chunks. You gotta and watch your carbs. That says and there's ham, nothing wrong with Velveeta. I mean, I wouldn't put it, actually, it in a sandwich actually, unless no, you were making not even grilled that. cheese. Not even that. It went from the thick ham and cheese to like a nice Wonder Bread, like toasted Wonder Bread with like a nice bougie cheese, but like the ham had some desiring in too. And then the third sandwich was literally not even a sandwich. It was ICOs, which is a bowl of water yo, with yo. ice in it. <laughs> yo, you're not right for that. Yeah, you're not I right am. for that. It's still a sandwich. No, okay. It's not. All right, but fine. it's a peanut right, butter fine. and jelly. It's no, not a not, e- not even sandwich. Not even. Not even. It is. It is the end piece of a loaf cut in half. Yo, don't. And it and it's got two chunks of Velveeta cheese and like. I'm gonna tell you right now. Stop a, shitting on Velveeta. Velveeta and a, makes and a, dope and a ratty sandwiches. Piece of turkey. It's not even ham. Yo, first of all, actually, there's even there's all. no protein in the sandwich. It's just a cheese sandwich, and now I'm constipated. That's what happened <laughs> with KH3. Okay, that's what happened. And everyone's like, I'm still gonna eat it because I've been waiting and I was promised this deal, but I ain't happy about. This constipation I've got, Square Enix, you are binding me up in a way that I was not ready for. Yo. And I eat a lot of cheese, so I'm used to feeling blocked up. But Yo. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> not, not this time. I no. can't. There's, there's nothing. Needless I can, to say, I, I can't say. Needless to say, it is sad that you know. That's literally what is happening to people. They are trudging through this game because it's just, you know, that we've been waiting so long for this epic battle to happen. And now it's like a crappy pay-per-view $2.99 debacle. And it's just, it's, it's just wrong. There should be PSAs about this shit. Yo. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, about you got it. some strong ass feelings about this. Like, I have not turned it back on since the last discussion we had about it. And it hurts me because, one, like, I paid full price for it. Yep. I, I wish I hadn't. And <laughs> I wish I hadn't. And I haven't mm. even I haven't even played RE2 because I was like, oh, I'll play RE2 after KH3. And now KH3 is like cock blocking me. Because I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be my real authentic self and like be true to my words. But like, KH well, is I mean, if you're hard. gonna do that, here's one thing that you could do right now. If you need a palate cleanser, you know, you should pump your brakes for a hot second. I don't know, maybe play God of War. Yeah, Hashtag true to your words. Actually, believe it or not, someone brought that up to me the other day because they're like, "Yeah, I haven't even finished God of War yet." I'm like, I haven't even taken mine out of the packaging yet, and he's like, "It is good." I'm like. You and my sister and literally anyone else that Look, I talk here's what about I'm gonna tell you right has now. said to me. Here's what I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now. In all honesty, and not just because I really need you to play this game for, like, my soul, <laughs> but I do need you to play this game for my soul. Goes to show, don't put your soul on the line when it comes to Panda and playing games. Yeah, don't do that, because maybe that's why your maybe, soul every maybe, fucking maybe time. Maybe that's why there's a bunch of people who are now in, you know, H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah, because they're they like, bet. Panda will play this thing. And then I was like, nah, not feeling it. And there went your soul. Drag me to hell three. Yep. Panda's that's the whole pandemonium. 
Pandas, Pandora's box, whatever the fuck. I mean, I you know, there's so many ways you can do it, but we already opened Pandora's box in the previous God of War game, so let's move it forward. Legit, like, back up off it. Like, if you're really not feeling it, then you should not force yourself to trudge through a game. Well, I haven't, like, but, I mean, but remember, this is the completionist in me who's like... You I can come want, back to it. Play I some other good it's... games first. Well, that's what I've been doing. Okay. Like? Like, oh, good, so I'll go first. That, that's that's a good segue. Good job. Good job, us. <laughs> so, believe it or not, I've actually been spending a lot of time playing Diablo 3 on my PS4, which I did talk about a little bit last week about mm-hmm. how I thought the controls were a little wonky because I, I came from playing, playing it on Diablo desktop. on a computer. Mm-hmm. But I finally kind of hit my stride with that, which was good. And um, I've been having many acute spats with the husband because he was under the impression I hadn't played Diablo 3, even though I've clearly said it several times that I've played all of Diablo. So he initially bought it for us to play together because he's like, oh, my wife never played this. And I'm like, bitch, hold, hold, my, hold my drink. <laughs> hold my beverage. Hold my, hold my <laughs> beverage. And like now I'm at level 50 and now he's pissed because he's nowhere near my level. And- <laughs> And he's like, well, now I'm not going to play, which makes me sad. So now I rolled another character, and now I'm going to level her up to 38 so that he can have someone to play with. <laughs> he's such a baby. <laughs> About it. That was but, such a mom description, though, of it. Like, But he decided that that wouldn't work, so now I've rolled another character so I can support him. Exactly. Like, him what he needs. It needs. As opposed uh, to him just getting on my level. Right, you know, because that's what has story of my life. But... Uh, so he was trying, he's like, I think he was trying to encourage me to stop playing it long enough so that he could level up his character. But mm-hmm. remember, I'm up at the crack of dawn like a rooster, so like, on my weekends, I'm up at 5am playing mm. until he decides to wake up at like 10. Right. But he was like, oh, we could play this other game. And it is called uh, Full Metal Furies, and it's super, super cute. It you can play it on Steam, which is what we're playing it on right now, but it is also available on Switch. Okay. Um, it has Couch Coop and Online Coop, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of a more pixelated animation style of the Scott Pilgrim game. Okay. If you remember okay. that. Yep. So it's got that retro classic look to mm-hmm. it. And in the game, you play the Furies, which are these four female characters. It's an all-female team. 2D, 2.5D, 3D. Uh, it is 2D. Okay. I think that I think the they are operating on 2D, but the um, environments they're in are kind of 3-ish D. Like, there are some things that are for, like closer to the screen for, like, depth. So it's 2.5D. 2.5D. The thing about it that I, I, I at first was about, because as we started playing, I didn't realize... That the whole squad are all ladies, so you have okay. Trish. So you have Trish, Trish the tank, and she's clearly a tank. She has a giant shield. She can like repel bullets, and she can like bully bullets away. And like she's supposed to be able to take damage. You have Aaron the engineer, and I was like, oh god, are we gonna have like alliteration? Like I was so about it. And like she's cl- and she's clearly like your demolition nerd. Like she's got the bombs and she also has a gun and she is very knowledgeable. Then you have Alex the fighter, and I was like, oh, it could have been like Frankie the fighter or Fiona the fighter, but whatever. Like they broke the alliteration, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Dream squash. And, sh- and she's very much kind of like a paladin, has a big uh, hammer where she could do a lot of damage and stuff. And then 
you have, what's her name? Meg. Meg the Sniper. And she's like nearsighted, so she really can't see, which I find really humorous that she's the sniper. But they're all different ethnicities, and this is truly, like, this is coined as a truly cooperative game, because the mechanic is, is that it's not like Castle Crashers, where you're all like identical knights outside of your color, and you have the same abilities, and you just fight on a map. Mm -hmm. Like, these are all highly technical fights, where at some points during them, bad guys will get a colored shield around them, and the person on your team who has that same color is the only one who can engage them. So it truly gives everybody something to do. Everybody is important. So, -hmm. you know, it's not, you know, you're not running to get the highest, you know, kill count, because there are some things that you may not be able to do depending on the character that you're playing. So it's, like, really kind of involved and... Where we're at in the game right now is we have a bunch of mobs that will swap their shield colors halfway through. So you'll be okay. attacking one, and then all of a sudden it will be a different color shield, and then none of my none of my attacks would work, and I'd have to reevaluate what I was doing and how I was chaining my combos and stuff. So like it really, you know, brought a different level of cooperation to the couch coop situation. We haven't played it online yet, and I'm kind of curious about how that will go. A little bit, but, like, it's super cute, and all these characters, these female characters are all, like, super fleshed out, and I mean, maybe I'll try to convince my husband to let me stream us doing it, because, one, we like to give each character, whenever we play games that have multiple characters conversing, we'll do voices. Granted, Uh he's way better at it than me, and that makes a lot of sense, but, like, we, we give each of these girls, like, a very different personality and voice. So, okay. like, because Triss is a tank, her, her shield's super big and she likes gaudy pieces of jewelry. And that's in her tagline in her bio. Like, she finds this chunky piece of thing and she's like, I love it. She's like, it's tragic and I love it. And, <laughs> and I, I also will voice Meg, who's the nearsighted sniper. And literally, most of the time, she's, like, kind of played for comic relief. Like, someone will have, like, a deep, heartfelt, like, conversation. Like, we're going up against our first boss and it's a pretty hard fight. Like, we haven't figured it out just yet Mm -hmm. but right before this big fight trish who's i think technically she's the leader even though she wears blue because i mean in my mind leaders usually always wear red because you know power rangers and whatever yep but trish is just like yeah does anyone have cold feet and like the other team's like no and she's like well i do she's like everything's resting on us and da 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 and then meg comes out and she's like actually my feet are cold but i mean actually my feet what are we talking about and it's (laughs) And, like, it's it's really, like, kind of on the nose about how, I mean, I don't perceive my girl groups, like, when I go out with my ladies, that it's like this. But I'm sure from the outside, I'm sure these types of banter, this type of banter has happened outside of, you know, taking out, you know, military leaders and whatever, because that's mm-hmm. not what I mean. But you could definitely tell, like, the strong-willed who doesn't want to let people know how soft and sensitive she is. And, like, the very aloof one who doesn't always seem to be listening, but then clearly has the, has the knowledge of the important thing and all the other stuff. The minutia is just minutia. And then you have your, I just want to, the reaction type, like, I just want to do stuff now. Stop, stop talking. Let's just do. And then the one who's just along for the ride, sort of. So yep. like it's it's got that well-rounded lady group 
And I was like, oh, I'm like, this is really, really neat. And I really like the fact that, you know, this wasn't just a, a hobo, a hobo murder simulator where you're just taking out bad, bad mods all the time. Like, it's not everyone hunting for the kills and the glory. It's really about working together to, to, to the, survive the setting. And I thought that that was really entertaining and it's super cute and the dialogue is really sharp. And I mean, they are all, I think, descending from, I want to say it's Grecian mythology, because like all of their weapons, like we're fighting a Minotaur war chief guy, Minotaurus, I don't know, but I just call him many. And uh, all of his like battalions are all steers and bulls and cows. And they're all dudes. Like, they and every lady that they've encountered so far is, like, on the side of good. Sort of, so far. We haven't, I have, we haven't encountered any bad females yet, and I'm sure there will be. But, like, I, I think they did this on purpose. I'm not too sure yet. But it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, and I found myself going, I'll play this with you instead of Diablo. You know, and I'm sure in his mind, he's like, yes, I can finally get a chance to play it to get up to her level. So, like, it's a good <laughs> distraction. And it and it did make me not think about KH3 for, like, half of a day. <laughs> so, like, it totally did work. And, um, like I said, like, it is available on Steam. It can be played on a Mac. I made sure to check what specs and, and what hardware you need to have. But it is also available on, on Switch. And it's totally the type of title that... You know, I would completely see being on the Switch. Easily. Easily. So um, if you're curious about that and you, you're part of a family and you've got multiple siblings and you want some light-hearted fun with a little bit of history and maybe a progressive, you know, look at what a team can look like. And there's no blood or anything. So, like, it's not gruesome or anything. And it's kind of witty in a way, then I would say you could completely check this out. And, I mean, I'm playing it on the PS4, too, so it is also available for other consoles and not just the Switch. No, that's that sounds it's like cute. a lot of fun. I mean, it is. you know, like, cute fun, There, there's always something to be said for a good palate cleanser, you know? Absolutely. Because... And I it, was in need of one badly. Desperately. S-O-S. You like, know, I'm on I'm on my own island, on my own Destiny Island castaway. I'm on a boat. Ah. Take a good look at me on this motherfucking boat. Oh, don't even get me started because it would be a complete tangent for me to go into Mass Singer. Okay, all right, let's not do that. So I'm gonna stop. Okay, Don't stop. We're gonna stop. But what I will say is, you know, a good palate cleanser definitely can be a clutch thing to have in any gamer's repertoire. You know, we've talked about it before, but like my go-to palate cleansers a lot of times has been Journey on the PlayStation. I've also gone back to games like Assassin's Creed Origin to just kind of just run around Egypt, you know, not really like trying to do any missions or anything, but just traveling around and taking in the scenery and those kinds of things. It's it's good to have a, a just a straight-up escape where you can turn your brain off for a little bit, especially if you're frustrated or you're trying to figure something out and not, you know, wanting to rely on a walkthrough or, you know, a let's play, but it is kind of confounding you. It's great to have a 
release. And, you know, I think for me now adding to that list is Crackdown 3 because it is what I'm going back to when I'm like taking a break from the other stuff that I'm doing right now. So right now, um, I just finished up playing the open beta weekend for Division 2. And, uh, you know, Panda, I love The Division. I truly enjoyed that game. Where I started to kind of leave the game was when there really wasn't anything happening in the game but Dark Zone, and Dark Zone was not my wasn't jam. was for you. Well, it wasn't my jam, because I enjoy a good shooter, and I thought that The Division had, the first game, had, you know, a decent story for a starter of the here's this you know beginning of a post apocalyptic world and how you fit into it so there are things that you have to scavenge for and and things are not going to be bountiful and plentiful and that you could ad hoc you know do co-op play was really nice um i ended up playing the game with a bunch of people some were friends and i would eventually like team up with some other randos that would come in to play because we had the same mission that we were trying to to run through. So it just kind of worked out. I really liked that mechanic of the game. Okay. I did think that, you know, there was probably more that they could have done with the character customization because really all of the clothing and all of the perks really started to feel like same thing again, just this time it's blue. Same thing again, just this time. It's pink. It just didn't have a lot of diversity. I also thought that, you know, there were probably some more options that they could have come up with for the character creation just in general. I thought for, you know, just core campaign, Division was a fun ad hoc pickup third person shooter game. I spent probably, probably about 50, maybe 60 hours in the game. Um, I ended up running with our good friends, Bjork, April Carlson, Mayor Young, a.k.a. Lawrence, the main man, mm-hmm. Young, and Ben Saki, who's Redmond Corpolio, who used to be a newspaper reporter out of California. So pretty much a California crew. So those were really dedicated nights because, you know, they're three hours earlier than I am. So we wouldn't start running around until 9 or 10 o'clock their time, which was 12 or 1 o'clock my time. And we would run for a few hours. So those were some very long nights. But we had a great time, you know, playing co-op together, different missions. Like Lawrence was behind us. So there were times where, like, we would bring him along so that he could pick up XP and would work to get him built up to, you know, the rest of our levels to have a good time. And, like, I am not a crack shot, nor do I ever claim to be in any of those games. But, like, I can hold my own. But Redmond and April were, like, amazing. And it was just a lot of fun. And so I've been looking forward to the Division 2, you know, since it was announced. I thought that it was really interesting how they were, you know, moving from what felt like New York to really moving to straight-up D.C. In the open beta, you're basically trudging your way through the front lawn to make it to the White House because that is the first safe house uh, near you to to go to you are in the game a agent that is ultimately trying to find other settlements recruit resources back to your camp so this is another thing that i thought was a good mechanic you know in the game your base didn't have everything to begin with they didn't have a medic right off the bat you had to go and rescue someone that could be that medic and then you had to start investing in that unit bringing back resources spending the money that you were finding to add more tools 
to their arsenal so they could treat people faster and move more people in and you could start to create, you know, a strong base that would attract other people. And I like that mechanic of the game and that's back. And it's a little bit deeper this time. So, you know, all those people have profiles. You start off with your quartermaster in your base, but you are given the mission to, you know, go out and talk to the locals as well. So, like, rescue random people, just like in the game before. But that will actually give you some rep. So it it has some matter to it now, some weight to why you'd want to do that, as opposed to just critical path everything. The environments feel like four times bigger than before. When I was running through the beta, I had a semi-automatic rifle and a pistol. The pistol is still infinite ammo, so it doesn't do a lot of damage. But if you run out of ammo and something else, at least you have a weapon. So you're not trying to run up on people with automatics and punch them to death because that's (laughs) not going to (laughs) work. That doesn't work. It felt like there wasn't any place I could have go. And that's one thing that I did not like about the original Division is you would drop into an area and be like, oh wow, look at all these streets. Let's go left up this street and see what happens. And you could really only go left up the street like halfway before you hit an invisible wall and it's like, oh no, you can't go into this zone. And then you would look at the map and realize actually there is no zone over there for you to go to anyway. The Division 2 doesn't feel like that. I actually went completely off path at one point after I left my first settlement And I was like, I'm just going to go up this street and see what happens. And I was able to go for quite some time up the street and find other backpacks that I could loot. Uh, Some guy that was being, like, kicked to death by a hyena. Those are the general, like, bad guys running around town. Once I rescued him, I was able to send him back to my settlement. And I got some rep for helping him out. And so it just feels like they filled in the world a little bit more than they did with the original division, like when it launched. You know, I will say, and I will give Ubisoft credit, once they started patching and releasing additional updates to the division game, it felt really good. It just took them so long to get to that point that I think a big chunk of the player base left because there were other games that were drawing them and there wasn't an overwhelming reason to stay. I think that that's one of the things that... It feels like the Ubisoft team has addressed with this version of the game. I will say that the controls felt a little loose. So one thing I will definitely recommend is if you have a customizable controller to bring that in because I definitely felt like my character was the camera was very sensitive, like default, because I played with the default settings other than turning up the brightness a little bit because I have some issues with contrast. Mm-hmm. I left the control scheme completely on default. But I did like that, you know, they put a lot of controls up front, you know, especially for people that have difficulty. Like, you can set the size of subtitles, not just having subtitles on or off, including making them super big. You can change contrast. You can also change some things so that if you have issues seeing depth or issues with contrast like I do and seeing things that are super, super dark, you can adjust not only the brightness but also the contrast right before you jump into a game. And you can, you know, adjust that again at any point in time. You can and remap buttons, which is really important. But I am definitely going to be tightening up on my Elite controller because I'm playing on the Xbox, the view of the person. Because there were a lot of times where I felt like, okay, I was turning my character and I should be looking like directly ahead and like I overshot it by a quarter inch. So now I was actually looking like to my complete right as opposed to facing straight ahead, which is why I took a bullet to the head and I deed 
it is a cover-based shooter, so very similar to kind of the run-and-gun feeling of Gears of War, if you've ever played that. You can get into cover behind an object and then look at other objects, and by pressing A, key punch down, running in cover to that next cover base. Peering around corners, you can shoot overhead, so you can shoot blindly if you want to. Obviously, you know, spray and prey does a lot less damage, but... You know, if your shields are, are low, and I should say armor is low, that may be what you're reduced to. You do have the ability to, instead of having health kits, so so to speak, you have armor levels, and you can actually see, like, how much damage you're taking is depleting your armor. So you want to actually find other armor to have in your inventory to replenish your armor, and that's mapped to the D-pad Additionally mapped to your D-pad or some of your other skills. Your fast switching of weapons is mapped to the Y button, so you just tap to cycle through. A is kind of your run for cover, get into cover. B lets you jump, you know, or peer over the sides out of it. So again, it is mapped very much like a standard cover-based shooter. But I think because there are so many recognizable places for Americans specifically in the game, that there's a draw to that kind of comfort thing, very much like Fallout 4. You know, while I didn't play the game because I had fears that there were going to be some issues, I really love the fact that, you know, the Bethesda team spent so much time actually getting the details of what Boston looks like right in the game and what it would look like at that period of time you know, aged forward and things like that. So I give a lot of credit to the Ubisoft team for doing that same thing with a similar thing, not exactly the same, but very similar thing with this game. So with all that being said, it is your standard cover-based shooter at its core. So there's a lot of weapons to find, pick up, ammo. You know, there's, you know, modding of weapons and modding of your gear, just like before in the game. So, you know, different mods can, you know, buff your gear in different ways. There are certain buildings that you can't go into unless you have a mask strong enough to deal with the biohazards that are in the room. You have turrets back so you can set those suckers up and then there's I think three or four levels to uh, tweaking your turrets. I can tell you right now your turret is your best friend so definitely get that skill and tweak that bitch out as fast as you possibly can because there's nothing like tossing a turret that's almost indestructible out into the middle of a group of 10 dudes and just letting your turret take them out and then focus on your turret trying to take it out so that you can just boop headshot safely from the back corner of the car you're hiding behind. Yay! Strategery. <laughs> Which I enjoy tremendously. You know, they they added, you know, a seeker mine so you can actually have, you know, a roller ball. It looks like a little cue ball, but it's it's a mine. It's a bomb that you can target on a person and just roll on out there and blow them up. <laughs> boop, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, I like remote pew, pew. It's Me why too. I play games from my car. But it is... It not is, while you're driving, of course, because that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. safe. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I had a lot of fun playing the Division beta. And it still hasn't solidified the purchase for me yet, but I'm much closer than I was before. You know, when I was playing the private beta, I had a hard time getting connected to the servers. Once I did, I was getting dropped a little bit. So, again, I think they kind of underestimated how many people were actually going to, like, 
be active in the private beta. But once I was able finally to get in the last day of it, I was able to play, you know, a similar beginning to the mission, but it felt empty because I think they kind of relied on there being so many people in the world that like you would end up randomly running into people and that didn't happen. So it wasn't until I got like to the last space where there were like bad guys and there was like way too many of them and I didn't have enough gear because I didn't clearly see the stuff at the time that was lootable. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that they maybe picked up on between that bait and this one, because like I said, the beginning part is almost identical, but they put some NPC enemies, the hyenas, in earlier into the level. And they also now have this very bright, uh, high contrasty glow is on elements that you can interact with, whether it's things that can be looted or things for you to pick up because there's all kinds of collectibles. It's a Ubisoft game, so unless there wasn't some random secondary, third, and tertiary, you know, collectibles, would it really be a Ubisoft game? But I am closer to wanting to purchase the game when it comes out later on in the month. That being said, I still gotta buy Devil May Cry. So, it's it's Broke Bitch Month continues. This time, just the Women's History Month edition. (laughs) I was about to say. So, it's legitimately... Broke bitch, but you go bitch month. (laughs) (laughs) You go broke bitch month. Yes. (laughs) I will say that I will purchase this game. I don't know if it'll be launch, but I will purchase this game. And I think that Ubisoft's been doing a much better job this go round just marketing the game because they've made it very clear what their year one plans are. You know, they've already talked about the additional maps and additional campaign things as well as the additional, you know, like Dark Zone type stuff that's going to be coming to the game um, so that you have an idea of if I get the year pass version, the gold edition of the game, what does that mean I'm going to have access to over the course of 2019? And they've been upfront about that, which before... They weren't like we didn't know with Division One if they were ever going to release the additional content that they talked about having for the game. And I was well past finishing campaign before it even started to surface. And by the time it started to surface, I was done because I was like, I'm not running around the Dark Zone. I got up to like level 14 or 15 in Dark Zone, which that is the online multiplayer. Okay. Basically, it's the PvP area. And you know how I feel about PvP. Yep. We've had many discussions about you and PvP and how it's not your MVP. Mm-hmm. But when I had a crew to run around with, I would do it. And I, I enjoyed the Division's PvP a little bit more because basically the way that the map was laid out is you had all these zones that were outlined. And basically those zones, they would force to only allow players of certain levels into those zones. So as an example, if your dark zone level was only one, you could try (laughs) to enter the higher level dark zone areas, but like you would get one shot killed, but a higher level person couldn't come into a low level area. So a person that was like a level 30 couldn't just camp all day in the level one through 10 dark zone area and just peg people off it wouldn't allow you in so it did level the playing field a little bit to be like okay i'm gonna walk into this zone and i'm not gonna be hit with people 
that are more than what felt like only a few levels above me. Now, what happened was I would walk in level one and there would be level nine people there. And there would be a lot of people that, you know, to game the system would just stash a bunch of weapons and things like that and not carry the higher ammo or the higher armor on them and camp at that high level just to continue to rank up points so that they could buy more weapons in other Dark Zone areas. But there's a distinct difference between someone that was a level one and someone that was a level nine. Now, to Ubisoft's credit, they eventually, after hearing that complaint, started gating off and grouping off so that, like, if you were a level two person in the Dark Zone one through ten level, that you would enter an area and you would not have anyone in that area that was more than three levels above you actually spawn around you. And so, you know, some people thought like, oh, that's really like babying people and things like that. And I'm like, no, actually it's not. It's allowing people who are late to the game coming in because maybe they took more time in campaign than you did before jumping into the online multiplayer, into PvP. It gives them a fighting chance. It's not saying that you can only fight people that you're exact same level, because I think that that's wrong in, in a PvP environment, but capping it so that, you know, really max three levels above you is what you're going to get hit with gives you a fighting chance. Like, it gives you as much of a chance if you use your tools right and strategy right, you can take out somebody that's three power levels ahead of you in a PvP match. You yeah. don't really have, I don't care how good your skills are, you don't really have the same kind of opportunity when that same player is eight levels or nine levels above you. That's just math. I hope that in the multiplayer PvP that is still the case. But it was because of that tweak to the matchmaking in the Dark Zone, which was the reason why I was able to play enough of it to get to, like, level 15. But then they started, you know, very much like Destiny, putting, like, a whole bunch of, like, really good armor and really good weapons behind that higher level Dark Zone area. And that just isn't my bag because I'm not perfect headshot girl all the time. And those higher level Dark Zone areas, like, that's all that they were was like you needed to be a crack shot to even go into those levels because you didn't stand a chance and you better be going in with your crew because if you went solo like you were asking for trouble there were also was a game mode that i thought was really interesting in that you basically had to it was like capture the fag you had to capture the cargo and then you had to protect the cargo until it could be airlifted out and you had a set amount of time that that would happen once you sent your flares up to have Hilo come in to pick it up it popped up on the map for everybody around you in the dark zone, whatever their levels were, three or four or five levels above you or not, that, hey, there's some cargo, there's some loot that's about to get lifted out of here. Maybe you want to get to it, because whoever gets to it, gets to it. So you would have to defend. And what was interesting about that mode wasn't just kind of the, hey, you're putting a target on yourself when you're trying to get this loot, because you can only go to your stashes if it gets airlifted out, was that... If you were working in a group to get that loot, at any point in time, the people who were working with you could just hit a button and be like, actually, I'm going to defect and fuck you and now I'm going to kill you. And you would actually see their colors change from when they were partied with you to when they weren't anymore. <laughs> and I had much, much loot thieving bastardly taken from me in the game. Ooh. And that's a no bueno feeling fun time. 
But it is an interesting mechanic, so I hope that, you know, that stays in the game as well. I would say if you enjoy a balanced third-person cover-based shooter, you should absolutely give The Division 2 a try. Okay. If you don't, if it's not your jam, then don't do it. Then get some jelly. Don't Seriously, don't like in my jam. description of what the game is, if you weren't like, oh yeah, I need to be part of that, then it's not the game for you, don't pick it up. But if you're like on the fence like, I mean, it sounds like it could be a good time. You might want to give it a shot. Because you only have one shot. You got one shot. You better take it. Don't miss your opportunity. I mean. Once in a lifetime. It's it's on you I mean, if you this, miss the this, opportunity. I mean, this one, this one really isn't a one-time opportunity. You could always go to a GameStop or a Walmart or a Target or a Babbage's. If you can find a Babbage's, I mean, you got to go to Canada for that. But like, Just you know, saying. there there are plenty of places that you can go and you can you, go, get the you game. Can go to an EB boutique. You know, I'm I'm sure that it's going to be on the UPlay store. You know, it's going to be on all the digital storefronts. And you know, again, if you want to wait a little while, it'll probably show up on a reduced price at some point. You don't have to always get the game on release day. I have definitely moved into a place where, like, there are some games that, like, because I love the franchise and I have for a long period of time, that they are, like, day and date. I am going to get it on day one or if they have, like, uh, early access because you pre-order. I'm going to do that with, but that's because I love the franchise. But, like, other games that I'm just, like, trying to discover or, like, I'm not that deep in love with the franchise, but, like, they're a fun time overall in general. I'll eventually want to play it. You know, I'll wait for those games. I'll wait for them to hit Games Pass. I'll wait for them to hit, you know, a Game of the Year edition or, you know, if sales aren't going well, just straight up get thrown on sale and pick them up. So there's nothing wrong with waiting to pick up a game if you're on the fence about it to begin with. But I would definitely say there's a bunch of people that have been streaming, playing the beta. Check them out. If it looks like fun to you, then get it. If it doesn't, then don't. It's your money. Do what you want to do with it. So that being said, there's one more thing I want to talk about on this podcast this week. Because this one, this one's been burning a hole in me for like a couple weeks now. And I just, I got to get it out. Okay. So, Panda. Share. Share with us. Are you aware of the Crunchyroll Anime Awards? No. So here's the deal. Doing an award show is not easy. We've said this before. When Jeff Keighley's first video game awards show went off, we were like, hey, there's a lot of areas to improve, but here's what you got right, okay? Like, it's not easy to do. And I give Crunchyroll a lot of credit because, like, they had some really good categories, good group of categories, and you could vote on them online, Okay, so it was, you know, majority, very much like the Game Awards, fans selected with a, I don't think they called them a jury panel, but like an advisory panel of people that work in the industry as well. So very similar to the games. So here's a couple things. I tried to watch Crunchyroll's Anime Awards show, which if you're a member of Crunchyroll, you can watch, attempt to watch commercial free if you have a paid account. And you can watch it with commercials if you don't have a paid account. It's unwatchable. Oh, wow. And I say that because the whole production felt like they did not do a full dress rehearsal dry run before they went live. Because that's what they did. And to do a live show is not easy. 
like they went to, I think it was the Foundry, and they had like an open event where they invited people and fans and stuff that were in the area and whatever to come and like be audience, but they didn't really fill up the room. And I think they were having a hard time getting people actually into the room at the time that they went live. So like they had these two remote hosts at the remote location who are like you know delivering the lines of like yeah we're so here and the room is so pumped and like we're everybody's excited to be here at the anime (laughs) awards and then the camera would like pan to the room and there was like 15 people in the room (laughs) and you can see the host being like yeah we're so excited and you're like wow you are not even like you are going well right now for the gold yeah and it's like yeah, is everybody excited? And you hear like one person go, woo. It's just like, it's just like, what is going on? And so then they would throw it back to the studio and the studio wouldn't be ready for them to throw it back. So I don't know if they didn't have people that had ever been comfortable like reading teleprompters. They had like this weird random guy who was like being the voice of the people who was very eccentric is the best way I can describe him, um, but was working two laptops and was like supposed to be bringing comments out from the chat and so like they would throw it and be like all right so what's the voice of the people right now and he would be like yeah so um the voice of the people right because the people have a voice and so i'm like dude are you reading chat right now or like you huffing glue over there i don't know what's going on um and he's like yeah and the people were like feeling it back to you and he's like what the fuck just happened. I don't... Am I being punked right now? This you were. Is, I was being punked, but I tried. I watched the first five awards, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit this down. I'm going to sit this down because it just... I know what they were trying to do, and I applaud them for trying to do it, but it just felt like, hey, there's some people in the industry we know. We have an excuse to get everybody together. Come through the studio and you're going to give an award. Like they had made these like really nice awards that were like crystal ornaments to hang up to give to people. But it was just them announcing like the people or the anime that won. They didn't actually have anything like to put the ornaments on, at least up to the first thing. So like they would open the box and be like, this is the winner. Oh, congratulations to them. And then like them put the award down and like then try to feed to the remote location so they could move in the next people that were going to open the next box and give the award. So it wasn't like the people that won the award were accepting it. (laughs) Right. 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 Uh, Okay. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much more time on their production just to say that, like, you know, I hope that they learn from this year because I do want them to do it again next year because I do think that those are really good categories. And I think that giving, you know, your audience and the fandom a voice and picking, you know, their winners is always a good thing to do. Right. So starting with best animation, they had My Hero Academia, Devilman Crybaby, Bloom Into You, Megaloblox, uh, Place Further Than the Universe, and Violet Evergarden up for Best Animation. Now, out of all of these, the only thing that I haven't watched is A Place Further Than the Universe. I'm not a big fan of Megaloblocks, but I do like its style, so I understand why it's in the category, because it is a beautiful animation. The winner, however, who do you think it was, Panda? Uh, I mean, I liked the Evergarden, and I did watch that, of all the ones that were nominated. So, I mean, I would have gone with that. But. Well, that's the one that won. Okay. Yep, so I Violet... Did, 
I did like I did like its I did like its animation though. So yeah, it's an absolutely beautifully animated series. You know, I I was afraid that you know because it is a fan vote that it would turn into a popularity contest and not necessarily. But again, here's the community proving me wrong for judging the book by its cover because I assumed that it was going to go to My Hero Academia, but I do think that Violet Evergarden was the right winner there. So you know, big up to Kyoto Animation on that. For best opening sequence, you had Kiss of Death, which is the song for Darling in the Franks. You have Fighting Gold, which is the opening for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. You have Deal with the Devil, which is the opening for Kakagurui. Ooh! You oh, have I like the Agretsuko theme, which is obviously the opening to Agretsuko. Pop Team Epic. Which is the opening for Pop Team Epic. Yeah. And you have Fiction, which is the opening for Wotokoi, Love is Hard for Otaku. Oh, God. Okay, so I really liked Kagarugi's opening song, but I also really like... I actually am low-key, high-key about the opening to Pop Epic. Pop Team Epic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if either of those won, I would... And I mean, Darling the Franks was also good, but like, mm-hmm. I just remember how bombastic the opening to Kagarui was. Yep. And I was like, oh, yes. It just, it sealed in the energy that you were going to get in the series when it ramped up. Right. So like, it got me pumped. Right. But, but what's the deal? Okay. So the winner of best opening was Darling in the Franks, Kiss of okay. Death. Okay. Okay. Which wasn't a, it's not bad. Like, no, it's definitely like, a, a good It's one. a dope opening. I'm with you. I low-key, high-key love Pop Team Epics Open. So I would have been okay if it had been either of those, but I'm down for Darling in the Franks because I do think that's a dope opening. Okay, so best ending sequence. So up for that, you have Star Overheard, which is the ending for Fully Cooly Alternative. Fly Me to the Star which is the ending for Review Starlight. You have Akatsuki no Requiem, which is the ending for Attack on Titan Season 3. You have Ref Rain, which is the Fully Coolie Progressive ending. And Kakate Koi Yo, which is the ending for Megaloblox. Ugh, I don't... I don't think I've ever really invested in endings. I tend to skip them. Yeah, so I don't these days like because I'm binge watching more times than not. So like as soon as it's like Nook's video in like three seconds, I'm like, nah, bitch, right now, skip. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I know any of those. So I do know the Attack on Titan three ending. I do know the Mega Blocks ending, but I don't know the Fooly Cooly ones because I haven't watched Fooly Cooly either of them. But the Attack on Titan Season 3 ending is the one that, for Season 3, won. Okay. All right, so, best film, you had Fireworks. Was it your name? No. What do you mean, no? Hold on. Liz and the Bluebird. My Hero Academia, Two Heroes. Mazinger Z, Infinity. Mirai. Was your name even nominated? Nope. And Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Now, out of all of these, and I've seen two of them, and I voted, so let me clarify, I voted in all of these categories. Um, I voted for Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Okay. What do you think won? 
uh, hero, hero academia. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, moving right along. Best character design. You have Agatsuko, Violet Evergarden, Megaloblox, Devilman Crybaby, Oishiyama, Zombieland Saga, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. Um, I think JoJo is very progressive currently, but I don't know. I'm not sure which way they'd swing on that because it, I would, it would make me believe since our Evergarden got best animation that it could potentially take this one too, but mm-hmm. am I wrong? What's your vote? Huh? What's your vote? Which one? Um, which, pick a one because you have said two. I'll say JoJo. It was JoJo. Yay! Yeah, and and I voted for JoJo in this category, and I agree. I think that the character design on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is just very progressive, and, you know, there's a lot of really good character design in all of these, but consistently throughout the series, like, JoJo's character design has just been above, like, excellent. I mean, okay. I, think, I think when you get a show that one... It can polarize from the beginning because, I mean, I stopped watching after the first episode after the bad guy killed the dog Mm. because I'm just way too sensitive at this current moment and Mm -hmm. I just can't stand cruelty to animals. Mm -hmm. But, But when I can walk into my job, which doesn't have that many young people in it. But the few young people are talking about how fashion forward and fashion progressive JoJo's is for the male for the male conscious. I was like, now look at that, look at that. Yep. Because I was like, okay, see, there you go, anime showing men that you know it doesn't always have to be polo shirts and khakis. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. But there's nothing wrong with polo shirts and khakis, though, guys. No. No. There's nothing wrong with the Jake from State Farm look. It's very classy. Okay, it is. But like it's a classic look. You could you could tuck the front of your shirt. You could put a little sasson on it though. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Next category, best boy. <laughs> so you have I knew you were going to laugh at that. So you have Honda-san from Skullface Bookseller Honda-san. Haida from Agatsuko. Joe from Megaloblox. I always say blocks and megalobox. Sakata from Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Kataro Tatsumi from Zombieland Saga. And Izuku Midoriya from My Hero Academia Season 3. Who do you think took best boy? I just want to know what the best boy category entails. So it's like best boy and best girl. Like who who would be your like, best girl? But in in what context does the best apply? Like best. Well, as you can see, it's across the board because you have Honda-san from Skullface, bookseller Honda-san in the same category as Joe from Megalobox, as yeah. the same category from Haida, who like that's technically really, Haida is like, um, isn't he like a fox or like right, a, right, okay. right? So but like I. I'm going to assume it was the dude from season three of Hero Academia. You are correct. It was Izuku. Yes. <laughs> I voted for Kataro <sighs> because he is I, best boy I, I in Zombieland like Saga. I feel like there are some, there are just some categories that the title does not convey 
the exact definition of the category. Like, it just doesn't. So when I think best boy, I mean, unfortunately me, I went, oh, the best good boy. And then I just started started thinking about puppies. So, <laughs> like, Aww, puppies. Yeah. I'd, <sighs> well, next, let's move on to best girl. Maybe that'll help you. Maybe. Okay, I'm ready. So up for best girl, you have Nadashiko from Laidback Camp, Aserpa from Golden Kamui. You have Hinata from A Place Further Than the Universe. You have Anzu from Hina Matsuri. You have uh, Lily Hoshikawa from Zombieland Saga. And Mai Sakurajima from Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girls Senpai. See, the only one of those I know is the one from the zombie saga. I don't know the other girl. I know Anzu from Hina Matsuri, because if you haven't watched Hina Matsuri, you absolutely I haven't. need to. Okay, so of all the people on the planet listening to this podcast, you need to watch <laughs> Hina Matsuri. I'm not even listening, I'm just speaking. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I will. I will. Because <laughs> you will fucking enjoy it. It's okay. way up your alley. All right, who won the who won the best girl category? My Sakurajima from Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Okay. Which made me mad because, like, Anzu literally is the definition of best girl, like, in, in Hidamatsuri. And I don't want to give it away because, like, you need to watch it. But, like, when you watch it, you'll be like, Anzu was robbed. Best voice actor performance, Japanese. Up, you had Mamoru Miyano, uh, who was the voice of Kotaro uh, in Zombie Long Saga. You had Reiko as Retsuko in Agretsuko. You had Megumi Han as Miki Makimura in Devilman Crybaby. Reina Ueda as Akane Shinjo in SSSS Gridman. You had Soma Saito as Honda-san in Skullface Book Solo Honda-san. And Nao Toyama as Rin Shima in Laid Back Camp. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, out of all of this, I have only watched four. I haven't watched any of those, so okay, I so, don't know any of those. So I voted for Mamoru Miyano for Kotaro in uh, Zombieland Saga, and he won. So yay! yay. All right, best voice actor, female, English. Carrie Walgren as Haruko in Fully Coolie Progressive. Christopher Sabat as All Might in My Hero Academia Season 3. Erica Menendez as Retsuko in Agretsuko. You had David Wald as the narrator in Mr. Tonegawa, Middle Management Blues. Tia Ballard as Zero Two in Darling in the Franks. And Erica Harshler as Violet Evergarden in Violet Evergarden. Pick... The only one I know is the Sabbath, Sabbath guy, Chris Sabbath. But you watch Violet Evergarden. Yeah, but I didn't know what the lady's name was. Okay, well, I, I mean, just I, told I, you. I liked her. Her name was Erica. She okay, was up. Well, I mean, er- okay, Erica, good for you. But yeah, Christopher Sabbath won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how does All Might not win? Like, All Might is a dope fucking character, and Chris did a really fantastic job. I, mean, All right, I feel so, like in, in the cases where you have voice actors and actresses in the same category, you're kind of playing a, a tough game of battle of the voice. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you have some people who have, one, been doing this a little bit longer and have more titular characters under their belt, the fact when you said his name, I'm like, I know exactly who you're talking about because I know three or four different characters that he's been, mm-hmm. and I loved all of them. So, like, yep. my preference supersedes logic in that. 
So Yeah. So um, at this point, this is where I stopped watching the awards. So I'm not going to go through all the other categories, like who was nominated and who won. I'm just going to give you who won in those categories. But Best Director went to Masaki Yusa, who did Devilman Crybaby. Best Protagonist went to Rimuru Tempest. In that time, I got reincarnated as a slime, which is actually a surprisingly amazing anime and definitely worth watching. Best Antagonist went to All for One from My Hero Academia Season 3. Anime of the Year went to Devilman Crybaby. Best Fight Scene went to All for One versus All Might and My Hero Academia. Best Continuing Series went to Dragon Ball Super. Uh, It was up against, and this is the only one I'm going to say the categories because this one pissed me off. It was up against Ancient Megas Bride, Black Cover, March Comes In Like a Lion, One Piece, and Boruto. How? Right. Right. No. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No. Right. Okay. Right. And the industry icon went to Masahiko Minami, who is the president and producer for Bones, which has done a lot of things, but primarily is known for the My Hero Academia. So here's the deal. I think the categories are great. I think that, you know, the majority of the people, characters, animes nominated for the groups are great. Production definitely needs help, and I think, you know, that there just needs a needs to be some kind of, I think, a little bit better safeguarding for a couple of categories to make sure that it's not just a pure popularity play in the fan vote that, that picks the winner. Because, like, it, it very much felt like hit or miss on some of the categories of, like, okay, is this just because it's popular? Because, like, there were a couple from my Hero Academia where I was like, really, though? Really, though? But overall, I'm glad that there's, like, a awards show in America for anime. Just want it to work on being its best. Be be the best boy, best girl, best protagonist. You be that. Don't be 40. So, with that being said, it's time to wrap this guy up. Uh, you know, definitely hit us up across our social and let us know what you thought of the anime awards. And if you haven't checked them out on Crunchyroll, check them out. And then hit us up and let us know what you think. You can comment on the post about this podcast episode on our website, electricsisterhood.com. You can also check out some of the other articles that we're writing. Bookmark us so that you can get notified as soon as we do, like, dope new things on the website. You can check us out on our social we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash land of Esh. You can comment on all of our stuff there and also share your opinions. Hit us up directly and message us. You can also hit us up on Instagram at ESH News and on Twitter at ESH News as well. We love hearing your opinions and sharing our thoughts with you guys. So hit us up and let us know on any post, really, on any of those channels, whether it's this podcast post or not. You can also check out if you're enjoying what we're doing, our podcast, either on the desktop or through the podcast application on your iOS device by searching for the Eshcast and subscribing, which will ensure that the moment we put out a new podcast episode, you can get it and listen to it at your leisure, for your pleasure. And if you're enjoying it, then make sure that you check out all of the great content on vognetwork.com, which is another place that you can listen 
to our podcast because they've got some amazing shows over there as well. Some that go live on Twitch so you can actually interact with the hosts and be part of the audience and their recording, like Anime Jam Session and Orange Lounge Radio and Bobby Blackwell Show. Definitely, definitely make sure that you check out vognetwork.com. And if you're not living La Vida I, you can get our podcast through Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and pretty much any other podcast aggregator out there on the planet. If you're enjoying what we're doing here at the Land of Esh, then make sure that you check out all of the content that our other content creators that are part of the family are making. That includes our homie King Baby Duck over at B3Crew.com with his bi-weekly podcast, No Borders, No Race. That includes our homie Hamsman2049 with Smashrook.com where he covers new games and old games with the same love and passion equally. And also streams live on Twitch Wednesday nights at 9, so you can jump in and be part of his show as well. One of my favorite humans on the planet, Phil the Issues Guy with Phil's Recap and Review on YouTube. Please subscribe, click the bell, so you can get the notifications as soon as new episodes go out there. But you can actually be part of that show live, while you, whether you call in or you just comment through chat. And last but certainly not least... Our homies over at NerdCrave.com, keeping you up to date with all the stuff that nerds crave, whether it's comic books, anime, manga, movies, video games, or more. If it's nerdy at all, the nerds over at NerdCrave.com are talking about it. So with that, it's time for us to end this one. As always, I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. Until next time, folks. Titties.